when my husband and I first met, I, I think other people get this too, but I almost couldn't enjoy the honeymoon phase because I was afraid of the honeymoon phase being over. I was like, I don't want this to end. So I was yeah. like kind of anxious the whole time. Welcome and thank you for listening to Almost Almost Famous, the podcast where actors, writers, comedians talk about the ups and downs, ebbs and flows we're working towards making in this crazy biz and how they're almost almost famous. I'm your host, Daniel Acker. Today's guest has been on MTV, Trailer Park Boys, and Jimmy Kimmel Live. It is the wonderful Caitlin Mamie. <gasps> Hi. Hello, hello. Uproarious um, applause. Hello. Yes. <laughs> well, good to see you. Um, Thanks for having me. It's been so long since I've seen you. Yes, Caitlin is making the classic joke. We hung out last night because we had a show together. We did <laughs> fun characters and jumping right into it. For you, when it comes to, I guess, characters or creating comedy, where do you think ideas or anything spring from for you? I mean... I'm definitely the type of person where almost everything I write and all the characters that I do are usually very much based on real people. I, I, in all of my scripts, like I take so many things that happen in real life lines, people say, because I just feel like truth is always stranger than fiction. And I've just weird things happen to me. And when I encounter someone bizarre, like I take mental notes. So last night, I did a kayak instructor, which didn't end up doing well, but I loved the character. Um, but it was based off of this real woman who was a kayak instructor. We were in San Francisco at uh, Bodega Bay. And this woman was just absolutely nuts. Her company was falling apart. And I just, it's too good. And so I take so much of what happens in real life and put it into my comedy, I yeah. would say. Yeah. I feel like that's such a common thing with comedians where it's like you'll be in a situation and I'll often be thinking is anyone else realizing how <laughs> funny this is you know like, you're yeah. like is anyone else here what's going are we just accepting that this is just the normal interaction yeah yeah and like, I think most people are too scared to say anything in those situations um mm -hmm. But I think as comedians, you're so much more observant to when something is weird or right. out of the ordinary and you kind of drink it up as a comedian. You're just like, oh, this is so juicy. Like when I used to live in Toronto, if someone really bizarre was getting on the subway, I would really try and get on the same subway car as them just Where? to observe what they were doing, what they were going to do. Where most people would wait in a, and jump on a different car. Yeah. And you're like, nope, there's something here. There's some gold. Yeah. I'm watching a woman brush her teeth and spit it into a plastic bag on the subway. Like, you know, uh, why not? Yeah. <laughs> to each their own. Well, what was your kind of journey into uh, acting and writing and comedy? Was this like ever since you were a young child, they're like, yep, that's what you're going to do? Or was this kind of like a later in life discovery? I think I always needed attention <laughs> as the middle child. Mm. Uh, you know, you really got to work for it. So I think like it started with me doing renditions of The Lion King. Like I would do entire an entire scene of The Lion King with Zazu, Scar and Mufasa. And I would try and do all the voices. And my parents said it was good <laughs> but no they I I think that was sort of like where I liked doing where voices and characters started and then as I was growing up I was like I think I want to be like an actress so I auditioned for all these acting programs and theater schools and ironically 
for all of my auditions, I did like Saturday Night Live monologues, like for the National Theater School of Canada. I did like Molly Shannon's bad stand up character, which was a terrible choice, because if you know that character, she's very monotone, like no inflection in her voice. So really was not showing my acting jobs at all. <laughs> um so weirdly I didn't get in anywhere <laughs> so then I uh was like well okay uh, that didn't work out so then I did I went to University of Toronto for one year for like general arts and science and I was like uh okay I'll take Spanish and English and drama theory and it was just I I mean I I like this about myself that kind of quickly in a couple months in the first few months I was like well this isn't like what I want to be doing. This is just nothing like wasting mm. money. And so then I started looking at colleges in Toronto because um, there's this weird thing in Canada. They sort of teach you that the dumb kids go to college and the smart kids go to university when really mm. that's not the case. Yeah. Once I went to college, I figured that out. But anyway, I looked at college programs and I stumbled on this Humber College comedy program. And that was the first like light bulb moment in my life where I was like, oh, like I could do comedy as a job because I always grew up loving comedy. My dad really, I, my dad inspired me. I think my, a lot of my comedy taste comes from my dad. Like we were always watching John Candy, Steve Martin movies growing up, like Martin Short. And so those were the movies I grew up on. And I love that. And I knew so much about it, but never had until that point had thought that I could pursue that. And I remember the first two weeks of school, I just had this moment where I was like, oh, I found what I want to do for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's so. a nice when you have that light bulb moment that comedy is a possibility, right? Mm -hmm. Unless you're kind of like living in certain cities or areas or around people whose parents or relatives are in the business doing comedy. Right. It does feel like such a elusive, not real thing. Because I grew up in a small town and my dad's a financial advisor. My mom does like foot orthotics so it's like no I anything I've gotten in this industry has certainly not had to do with nepotism I will tell you that because yeah. uh yeah orthotics can't really get you in the biz you can get <laughs> but if done right they can put your get your foot in the door hey <laughs> we love that we, we love, love that. a pun we love a good foot pun are there times in your career where you feel you've had hit some milestones or you've made it for yourself you give yourself any of those definitions isn't that so interesting I don't know if anybody ever feels like I've made it and I think people's idea of making it changes as you get older you know mm -hmm. and I don't know if that's just because like you didn't get famous so you're like well now I just want to pay my rent um <laughs> but I think one of the coolest moments as a Canadian was um, being cast on season 10 of Trailer Park Boys, because in Canada, Trailer Park Boys is sort of like, you know, that's as big as it gets. Um, grew up watching it and um, just being on set there felt like in Canada, like making it, you know, mm -hmm. that was like this is I mean, Trailer Park Boys is, as as I said, pretty much at that time. Now it's like Shit's Creek. But at that time, Trailer Park Boys was kind of the biggest thing. So I think that and then I did get to work for Trailer Park Boys. They have an online channel, SwearNet. And we I got to make three seasons of a sketch comedy show. 
And we got to go in their studios and use all of their costumes and props. And we had a small crew and we just banged out like um, tons and tons of sketches. And every day we got to go to work and like wear silly costumes. And I really tried in that moment to like take it in and be like, this is really fun and cool. Felt like, yeah, like I'm really doing what I want to do with my life. And this is as fun as it gets. Well, that's awesome. And it's like you said, like to be a part of something beloved and you like, and then to Mm -hmm. get there, it's one thing to be like, cool, I was on this thing. So I'm part of its history. But then to get that like kind of offshoot that they trust me enough to also be on their channel and create comedy is not such another like nice boost that you're going in the right direction. Yeah. I feel like this business definitely, it, it benefits uh, from those little moments of other people giving you kind of a nod. I've always felt like when you get an opportunity, like you really want to blow it out of the water and like do the best you possibly can. And I think based on our style of comedy, they weren't really sure how we were going to do when we went and filmed the sketches, but because uh, we were like sort of sophomoric, a little bit blue humor, but we went there and worked so hard. And so that led to more opportunities. So I think when you get that opportunity to really like take advantage of it yeah, and do above and beyond more than what they're, what is expected. Yeah. Now yeah. over the years, have you given yourself like a definition for success? I feel like now at this point in my life, like, being able to make a really comfortable living off of doing what you love feels like success to me. If I can like buy a house, have a yard and like make content and do voiceover and like, like live my dream job, then I think that is success. Yeah. And like you said, it's, it's by also defining as doing something that you love. Isn't it? Jim Carrey has a quote. He's like, you can, Fail at something you hate. So you might as well do something that you love. Yeah. Or something like that. That sounds that sounds right. It's like the same thing of like better to be at the bottom of a ladder you want to climb than halfway up one you don't. Oh, I like that one too. Yeah. You and Jim Carrey, same. Yeah. Although he's gone a little bit not so. Yeah. Has he? No, I love him. I still love yeah, him. Yeah, he's he's like good at everything he does. And he's Canadian. Yeah. Canadians like to do that. We like to you've already mentioned <laughs> call a, out. You've already mentioned a few Canadians. You've talked Trailer Park Boys, Shits Creek. You talked about John Candy and Martin I know, Short. it's so funny. It's like I've become much more patriotic since moving to the US, yeah. I think. I always make my friends do this and I try and do it myself is like I do try and celebrate everything, even the small wins, because I do think something about our culture or this industry makes us so quick to sort of Mm. diminish what, you know, what it is. Like, I feel like we're so quick to be like, ah, whatever. It was piece of crap. Like you don't even like it. It's stupid. I booked this dumb thing. It was a movie, whatever. But we love to undercut any form of success. Yes, totally. So I'm trying to get better about that and, and really like taking in the moment and going to celebrate, even if it's like going for a little happy hour or something to just be like, this is a win. Hooray. Like you need that, especially in this industry, because sometimes the wins are very far apart. <laughs> yes. Since we're kind of talking about those moments of the in-between times, I'm always curious of how people handle kind of just the natural lulls in the business. Like what do you what do you do? To go when you go from those highs and lows of just kind of those moments where you're like, nothing's coming in, but I'm trying to stay positive. Something will. Like, what do you do in that time? I I just had that happen. I had three months mm-hmm. of nothing, 
And let me tell you, by the end of the three months, I wasn't feeling great. Yeah. <laughs> um, because something and something does always come along. Like it's like, but it's hard in those moments to mm. trust that something's going to come along. But I think I am very much a doer. Like if the industry's not giving it to me, I create it. I like I I start mm. creating. So that I I'm very much like yeah, if someone's not giving it to me, I'll go out and and do it myself. So like even in the pandemic, like I recorded an entire like sketch comedy album in my closet and spent like weeks and months editing it and released it myself and like did all of that in the pandemic. I, uh, you know, it got on Sirius XM and it was like, I did the whole thing from start to finish. And that was just cause like nothing, literally nothing yeah. was happening. So I was like, well, let me create something that at least takes up my time and space and could lead mm -hmm. to something afterwards once the pandemic whenever that ends um so yeah i definitely internally go crazy and my coping mechanism is to just create yep. a lot of things so that hopefully it's like throwing darts at a board like i just keep throwing right. darts yeah a lot of people it's just like that's sort of like the like knee-jerk reaction of like I, you feel that like it's to create something and i think the truer thing is like you said it's not just like creating with the full intention, this is going to get me something. It's more of just like, I just want to create. Yeah. And by chance, maybe, maybe, like, mm -hmm. I feel like that's the, the separation from kind of the people who are, in a way to me, like serious about this are the ones that are like, I'm creating. I'm just going to put stuff out there because I love to do it. And I know how yes. the business works. So down the line, like, I, I remember someone saying, you can't keep something good a secret too long. And so it's like, if you're just mm -hmm. consistently good and just keep doing stuff, eventually people will be like, oh, yeah, I want to work with this person. Just right. And then you've 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 gotten enough skills that once you get the job, like, yeah, you can do yeah. that job because you've been working at it for so long. Where's your head go with the ideas of being rich and famous? You know, I thought about this before I was I think I asked someone. Like if you could be rich and famous, but you also couldn't ever just go grocery shopping without paparazzi following you, like, would you want that life? And I was like, no, I wouldn't. I think, you know, when you're younger, it seems so glamorous. It seems like what an amazing life. But then you see you see all these like documentaries of celebrities and you're just like, oh, they actually like deal with a lot of anxiety and a lot of the same stuff we deal with. And they watching like real housewives, like these people's lives are fucked. <laughs> it's like, yes, they have all this money and they're technically famous, but you know, behind the closed doors, like their lives are messes. They're all having these like affairs or hate their husbands or whatever it is. So no, I truly at this point do not care about, being quote unquote famous, I think I just want to be respected. Mm, okay. You know, but respected by my peers and respected by, I think like people liking what I do mm. is, uh, feels, feels good enough. So Caitlin, 10 years from now, so 10 years in the future, she comes back in time to today. What advice would your future self give you? Oh, what would she say? Uh, 
This is a tough one. Yeah. Um, I think I would tell myself to give myself more grace. I think pretty like hard on myself and stuff, as I said, like always ends up working out. So I think I would tell myself just to trust that things will work out a little more and not always kind of panic and put mm -hmm. that energy out there and just know that, that everything has worked out this far. And so it will continue to work out. So maybe have a little more faith that the positive thing will happen instead of always dreading that, you know, the world, something bad's going to happen when it almost never does. Right. It's like the bad is never as bad as you think. Mm -hmm. And the good happens more often than you think. Yeah. So. And life is just so up and down. I was watching this round table and Tom Hanks said something like the biggest the, the biggest thing he carries with him is like this too shall pass good and bad. And so it's like when you're in the good, like this too shall pass. So it's like when it's good, just enjoy it because it's going to be bad again <laughs> and then yeah. good again. So right. it's like knowing when you're in the bad, it's not forever. And in the good, it's not forever. So like really drink it in when things are good. Yeah, I I adhere to that too of just being like this sucks but thankfully it'll be over eventually and this yeah. is great so really be present really just be like this is great this I know awesome. I'm kind of in that phase right now things are kind of great and I'm just kind of like ah got to enjoy it, enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. yeah sure who knows how long it'll last <laughs> yeah so just yeah don't spend too much time stressing about when it's gonna end right <laughs> that's like oh. I, I have this weird thing I remember when my husband and I first met I, I think other people get this too but I almost couldn't enjoy the honeymoon phase because I was afraid of the honeymoon phase being over I was like I don't want this to end so I was yeah. like kind of anxious the whole time you have times or can you think of times when you've gotten bad career advice bad career advice I think someone I think someone once gave me the the advice like you know it's kind of like every man for himself so mm. it's like do what you got to do to get where you got to go because, you know, no one's going to help you along the way type of thing. And um, I'm just such the opposite. Like, I love collaborating with people. If I have the opportunity to give a friend an opportunity, like, that brings me, like, some of the most joy of anything is helping my friends or getting them jobs or helping them book something or whatever it is like I don't know why but that feels so good to me so I really think that you can only succeed with other people so I don't think every man for himself I feel the opposite I feel like you have to work together with your peers to you know what is it when the water rises all the boats go up yeah so rising tide yes so it's mm -hmm. like I really believe that you really should be helping all the people around you it's like because then eventually, and and not just so they help you. I mean, yes, it feels good when they also help you. But it's like, yeah, it can only do good things helping people around you. Because then they they want to help you, like give you opportunities. It's sort of like a trading system. But it feels good. I don't know. to And my ultimate like goal and dream is to just go to work with my friends every day and, and laugh and have fun. Helping people along the way can only do good things. So, yeah. Yeah. Niceness wins out over talent almost every time. Mm -hmm. It's sort of like, oh, yeah, hopefully you're good. Hopefully you know what you're doing. But if you're not nice, 
you'll get a job once. Right. Yeah. You'll be like, well, they're great. And then they're never going to have you back. Especially at our level. (laughs) Like you can't be a jerk at this level. No. Yeah. I just, I, yeah, I always tell people, I'm like, if you plan to be a jerk or an asshole, you better be the best. Yes. And if you are, wow, congrats. It's still going to be hard. Mm-hmm. But that's putting so much pressure on your abilities and your moments to perform and be talented that I'm just like, hedge your bets, be nice, mm-hmm. be kind. Mm-hmm. And then there's some wiggle room on your talent. Yeah. <laughs> you can, like, oh, okay, you can have an off day. One of my favorite, it's such a simple line, but I remember when Conan O'Brien was going off the air from his late night show, he was like, did this last little like five minutes where he just talked into the barrel of the camera. And one thing he said, he said, "Um, if you work hard and you're kind, I promise you good things will happen. And it's such a simple, it's only a couple of words, but it has carries such meaning and it's like yeah really simple work hard but be kind at the same time i always carry that motto with me in like everything that i do good old conan i saw him once when i was catering (laughs) i don't like to brag but i do cater sometimes Ooh, (laughs) lead with that i should (laughs) i also saw angelina jolie catering so you're saying Angelina Jolie was catering with you? Is that what? Yeah, she was. We were catering <laughs> yeah. together. We both needed the extra money. So yeah, it's just like <laughs> sometimes it's just fun to. Yeah, I mean that would be actually really amazing to have a party and you hire A-list celebrities as the caterers. Oh my god, we need to make this happen. Brad Pitt, Jennifer Aniston, and they can't call it out. No. So everyone's just like, "Was that Brad? Did he just <laughs> yeah. hand me a mini quiche?" Yeah. What? Oh my God! How much would that party actually cost? Like two, oh, but two hundred million dollars. But that'd be the craziest thing if you're just like, actually, it's pro bono. They're just so happy to be on the bit. Oh my <laughs> God! They would love around. that for a day, scraping the trash, taking it out into the dumpster. Like, wow! I'm like a real person, real poor person. I feel like I could, you could trick them and say like, this is for like a real amazing part. We need yes. them to just really just just buy into it, just create it. I feel like they would do it. I feel like they'd be into it. We could trick them. Yeah. Yeah, easily. Yeah. Give me a quick call. Yeah, I'll call Brad. Have you ever auditioned for SNL in terms of like, did you get past the video audition? I showcased for them twice. So they came out to LA and saw a few of us from Sunday Company. How about you? Have you done any, been flown out, done anything? No, no. I just, I've only just started sending tapes the last couple of years. And I'm just like, they don't know who I am. No one's watching this tape. But uh, it's yeah. good to have after. It's like I have a good character reel. And then you have like a new sketch packet. So if anything, it's like, well, it, I can use this for other things. And it for yeah. it gives you a deadline and forces you to. That's how I feel about it. I'm like, great, let's let's try some new impressions, some new characters, yeah. write some new sketches. And you just go, if nothing else, each year, it it like exercises that muscle. So right. I don't get stale. Right, right, and I can right. be like, okay, what's Well, next? let me, let me, let me put this out there. They did do, a, I did write a Nicole Kidman AMC sketch and they did do it on SNL but I thought my sketch uh, my uh, pitch on it was better ha I'm just gonna say it Mm -hmm. I'm just gonna say it the one they did ended with her like going up in the sky being possessed or something but um anyway I thought if they produced mine it would have been funnier but well that's uh there's obviously (laughs) that was an idea in the air because in my packet 
I did it in a cold Stop! Oh my God. No wonder. My- I'm sure they read the first title of my packet and they're like, next. Everybody's- Everyone was doing it. And they were just like, well, obviously we have to do something with it. And mine. Okay. I have to know. What was your take? My take was she comes in and then another Nicole Kidman comes in and the theater <laughs> becomes packed with just a bunch of Nicole Kidmans with the people working there like, what the fuck is happening? And then it does turn into a, a bit more like supernatural they're they're monsters and it's like a complete takeover of the theater kind of thing what was yours mine was like her doing that bit but you know she was in an empty theater so she's doing it but like on a busy friday night and so she's like walking through the crowd like bumping into people and talking to the camera and everyone's like who the fuck is like shut up like sit down like when she's like standing in the theater so yeah more the reality of her saying the lines like, are you going to order the popcorn or what, lady? Like, yeah. yeah. Anyway, so. Very fun. Great ideas. I would say both of ours are better than what they Yeah, did. way better. Yeah. <laughs> they probably read ours and were like, crap, those were the ideas we were going to do, but now we can't. So we have to change it. I know, right. <laughs> Except they did not uh, hire us. Yep. <laughs> but they did hire a good friend of mine. He's now writing on SNL. So I'm Was it Jimmy Fowley? Yep. I love him. I oh, yeah, saw yeah. him do, uh, there's a comedian, Mo Welch, and she used to do the show called The Mo Show. Mm-hmm. And he went on and played this character that was so good and so believable. Like, I could not tell if this was just some hilarious man that Mo had found on the street. He I, he was someone I was really excited hearing he, he got that yeah. job. Because I was like, yes, him. Yes. I want to see everything he writes. Yeah. It's yeah. so wonderful. Like you said, it's sort of like I do. I get very giddy when my friends do well. I think it says a lot about your own level of confidence, right. how happy you are for the people around And you. genuine, not like this, like, oh, my God. So it's so amazing what they're it's like. It's like, <laughs> wow, I'm so happy for you. Oh, OK, so they went that direction. Interesting. But great. <laughs> yeah. Great for you. It's really fun <laughs> that they're giving you a chance. Like it's just like yeah, like good luck with that. Mm-hmm. No, I'm I'm just over the moon anytime, and almost like it's moved past the like oh if they're doing well then then maybe they'll give me something. It's more just like I look at it like I'm picking well, like I'm not crazy. Like I think there's something to be said of like your circle and your community. And I was mm-hmm. like, everyone I'm surrounding myself are still in this, still doing well. So I have a good radar for, in a way, like a talent scout of like, yeah, I'm not someone who's just like, I think this person's got it. And everyone else is like, mm-hmm. they don't. So yeah. So I'm like, you have good taste. Yeah. Kind of the jumping off point of the whole podcast was like, I know so many great people and I want them yeah. to be highlighted. Aw, thanks, Daniel. But now's the point in the podcast where uh, Roast Comet comes out because uh, Raz Clifford, uh, famous roast comic loves to take the guest down a peg so they remember mm-hmm. that they're almost almost famous <laughs> okay so let's go ahead and bring out roast me bring out raz come on out raz oh my god it's caitlin mamie oh crap uh this is crazy i did see your photo recently it was where was i oh yeah the post office she's wanted for being shit 
Caitlin is from Canada, which is why I believe we're focusing our harsh immigration policies on the wrong border. Okay? How did we let you through? This feels like a fucking mistake. (laughs) Caitlin, I must say, though, I am impressed that you come from Canada and you were able to learn the language despite being so obviously stupid. Wow. Don't worry. I'm sure in, in a moment's time, you'll figure out timing for comedy as well. So just stick to it. You got this. Now, <laughs> thanks, Raz. Of course, of course, anytime. Now, I've seen Caitlin perform, and can I just say how I wish I could get that time back? <laughs> it, it might be my um, deepest regret in life. Yep, it definitely is. Uh, and I'm curious, Caitlin, at what age did you realize you wanted to make people laugh? I feel like this is a trick question, but maybe seven. Oh, wow. And what year in the future do you think you'll actually be able to make people laugh? <laughs> As, oh, just, I'm hoping any day now, maybe next year. Mm, I would not take that bet. All right. This has been a Raz for a Supreme <laughs> Dummy. Caitlin, if you see me around, I will try to get you deported back to Canada. So you're going to want to avoid me. Okay. Okay. Uh, Good to know. Noted. All right. All right, see you later. Bye. Bye, Raz. Bye, Raz. Uh, Thanks, Raz. Yeah, what a what a sweet man. What a jerk. Yeah. But he's someone wow. who has that talent level, so he gets away with <laughs> it. Oh, so he gets to be a jerk to everyone. Yeah. What 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 is his talent? Uh just really uh being a being an asshole. He's a he's a talented asshole. Talented asshole. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't know you can make good money for that. Yeah. There's no shortage. They're always looking for one. obviously you're doing what you're supposed to be doing but if you weren't acting and writing and performing comedy what area or occupation would be of interest okay i actually think about this sometimes i feel like in another life i would like work at a national park Mm. because i used to have a summer job planting trees in northern canada and it was just such a fun simple life being out in the trees and the woods and not worrying about likes and comments and so in another life yeah I think I would like maybe be a park ranger in like Sequoia or Yosemite National Park and have a little cabin and just live a simple life that would be my (laughs) and maybe go and travel and and be outside all the time I love that I mean yeah yeah way to just it's like feels like almost a complete opposite. Complete like, opposite. I'm left alone. No one knows who I am. And I just hang in, hang out with nature. And I Yeah, what if I'm just like the funny gal in town and that is enough? Yeah. How about that? That and that can be enough. But thankfully <laughs> you're not be. doing that and you're putting your comedy out there otherwise. I mean, if a if a tree laughs in the woods but no one hears it. No one's there to hear it then is it really funny? Exactly. As the saying goes. I've heard that saying before. It's a good one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What about you? What would you do? Or have you answered this before? I've answered before, but. Well, then give me another one. Yeah. I mean, the dream answer that I've always wanted is to be a superhero. I just love superpowers. And I literally in my head will often be like, okay, if I had X power, what could I use it for? What would be done? Who's your favorite character? Which one are you like that? I want to be that one. That one's the badass. I mean, character wise, it's tough. Power wise, it's teleportation always. 
um, is my top. Ooh. I think it's which which character has teleportation? On uh, X Men, it's Nightcrawler. But yeah, so yeah, if we lived in a world where there were like superpowers, I would it would either be like I'd get some and it'd be great, or I wouldn't, and I'd be like I think I'm now gonna have to be a supervillain. Like I would, I love it so much that I'd be like I have to figure out how to how to get these. You you would just you so in another life you'd want to be a superhero. Yeah. Got it. But I, that seems like a, a goal you could totally achieve. I feel like we we could get there with technology eventually. Oh, well, with technology, yeah. You can be like, um, what's his name? Iron Man. Exactly. There it is. Just need to get that money first. Yeah, the bill, just a couple bills. A couple billion. Just call Elon. Yeah. Just tweet at him. Yeah, just be like, hey, you're throwing cash around with abandon. You want to make a <laughs> make an Iron Man suit for me? I've always wanted to do this where whenever I drive by like just this disgusting mansion, I'm just like, what if I just went and knocked on their door and was like, can I just have 10 grand? Like, can I just have it? You don't, I could really use it. Yeah. And you don't even care. You don't even need it. That's like nothing to you. Yeah. See what, see what would happen. Yeah. I, I'm guessing they would not give it to me. <laughs> well, they'd be shocked you got past all the gates, probably. Yes. How did you get I'm, here? I'm sorry. What's going on here? <laughs> I'm asking for $10,000. There are some really fun TikToks that I follow where it's like people kind of like doing social experiments on like mm. kindness and people that are kind, they'll then mm. reward them with cash. So maybe I would yeah. do something like that. Although it does feel a little cruel. There was this one lady who was like, no, I'm not doing that for you. And then saw him pay someone else. And she was like, wait, uh, what do you want? I'll go get it for you. And he was like, nope, too bad, lady. Yeah. <laughs> that's a little yeah. cruel way to, but rewarding kindness. That's, that's a nice, that's cute. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That makes me think of, uh, I read this thing that I was like, that makes perfect sense. A real good gauge of kind of society is the shopping cart test. Ooh. And if people put the shopping cart back or in the little holding area, mm -hmm. because it is one of the few things where you get nothing for it, it takes up your time and you don't get punished for not doing it. It is just a simple act of like, care wow i've never that's an interesting uh i like that you know what i do is i just try and park right next to the thing so <laughs> that thing. that's the best spot to get that i'm like all it right is. it's right there because i really hate bringing it back if it's inconvenient i'll do it but i don't like it. but you don't like it yeah begrudgingly begrudgingly yes. you'll be a part of society it's true i don't know why it's like oh an extra 20 seconds of my life like it's yeah. really not a big deal i don't know why it's yeah. so annoying to do <laughs> but it is now if you have forgive me but if you haven't uh eventually when you're a guest on a late night talk show what's a story you'd love to tell okay so in my mind when i'm on a late night talk show that means i've made it that means i've probably got a lot of money that means I'm probably a celebrity of some kind. So then in this case, I will tell I would probably tell the story of the time where I was so broke that I put back a bottle of I think I told you this, that I put back a bottle of two dollar nail polish. And I was just like, I don't need it. Like, it's just an extra frill. And it was two dollars. And I was just like, it's you know, it's like a waste of money right now. 
So I would let, I like to think of that. <laughs> I would maybe think of like, wow, look how poor and sad you were. And now look at you on a late night couch. Maybe yeah. I- was it like the thought process? Like that's a, that's a gut punch to like talk yourself out of a $2 bottle of nail polish. Cause I will guess clearly you could have. I could have. I probably was- went like later bought an $8 bottle of wine. Yeah. <laughs> that was that's where my money was being budgeted um making me more sad um <laughs> yeah no well i i will say like i it's been a journey like you know i think americans take take it for granted just being american because as a canadian getting here and the visa paperwork and all that like it is tough and i spent about 7 out of the 10 years here not with great visa paperwork so I had to work under the table. Don't tell the IRS. Um, are they listening? Um, They're big fans of the podcast. <laughs> uh, you know, a lot of babysitting jobs, like all this stuff. So it was like a real financial struggle for like mm-hmm. 75% of my time out in the U.S. So I actually like just got my first real job with benefits that starts in like a week and a half. Like my Congrats. first job in in america like real job and so it's exciting yeah financial stability is like what's that (laughs) you're gonna be getting four dollar bottles of uh nail polish that's right baby (laughs) 100 (laughs) percent increase mama's look out (laughs) (sighs) i probably will always shop at the dollar store though Mm -hmm. old habits why wouldn't you yeah. Except their shampoo all feels like they dump a bunch of water in it. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know. There's certain things I feel like you got to splurge a little bit on. Treat yourself. What do you, what are your treat yourselves? Like, what are things that you're like, I'll spend the extra for this. I'll, I'll always spend the extra for this thing. I call it like, cause I was listening to podcasts. What's your 10 X? What's your thing that like your category that you'll, you'd spend 10 times on because it, it matters for me. It's probably like good supplements supplements I feel, I feel like i'm not gonna skimp on that i'm like i'm gonna do the research and get the ones that are like mm-hmm. good if i go out to eat i try not to get too bogged down on the cost of the meal and just be like do i want an app and a dessert what's another 10x for me like anything like for my mental or physical health i will be like I don't want to cheap out on that because like nothing's more expensive than what I heard. Like nothing's more expensive than bad equipment because mm. you don't end up just actually hurting yourself. And then it's like down the road, you're real fucked. Right. So I try to be like, what is actually high quality? What's good? Yeah. Look at you being all healthy with your supplements and your gym, gym equipment. Yeah. What about you? What's the, what are the things that you're like, okay, this is worth. I mean, there's really not much. I think I'm so out of the habit of like, cause I've been always on a this <laughs> tight budget, like for so long, there's really not much that I ever like splurge on myself for. It usually takes someone else like buying me something and being like, you're going to do this thing. Um, but I guess, um, uh, chocolate, like I okay. can't go, I, I would say I eat chocolate probably every day and I'm a bit of a chocolate snob. So I really love like good chocolate and like sweet treats. Like 
dessert, mm-hmm. whatever, I will, whatever it is, I will spend it for that cake now, with, pie or whatever it is. With the chocolate dark milk white, like where, where do you, what's your category and what's your thoughts on the other? Okay. So I used to, it used to be milk and I still love it, but I think because I like am addicted and have to eat it like every day, I switched to dark because I was like, it has at least some nutritional qualities like antioxidants and I don't know, vitamin D. I don't know what else. I don't think it has vitamin D. It doesn't have vitamin D. Antioxidants and, uh, it's it's healthier essentially. It's healthier. So, you can, so yes, you go. It's the it's the adult decision. It's the adult chocolate. Yes. So <laughs> I've come to actually enjoy dark chocolate, and so dark chocolate sea salt caramel is probably like my favorite mm. combination of flavors. Now, how dark do you go? No, not like bitter. Okay. Not like You've never done like a ninety-seven. I've like probably a, tried it, but I don't like that. No, I, I definitely am addicted to sugar. 100% for sure. You know, it's got to you know, be sweet. Like, like I put sugar in my coffee the other morning and my husband was like, that's disgusting. How much sugar you put in there? I got like this white chocolate marshmallow latte and it was literally like, I felt like I was going to take one sip and then my teeth were just going to rot out of my face. It was so yeah. sweet. But uh, this is what I need. This is my crack. I love it. (laughs) Well, thanks for hopping on. What are some things the listeners should keep their eyes or ears peeled for? Yeah, I think I'm just going to keep making a making a bunch of content. Part of my new job is making content. So I think just like, you know, follow me on uh, social media because I like to make a lot of content. If you like trashy reality TV, like Love is Blind and Bachelor I'm your gal. I love that trash. I do uh, make a lot of videos about it and just dumb sketches. So, uh, yeah, I think that's probably the most tangible thing coming up. Very nice. Well, what's your handle so they can follow you? Oh, at Caitlin Mamie. And it's K-A-I-T-L-I-N-M-A-M-I-E. Because Caitlin's one of those names. Could be spelled many different ways. If you put a Y in any of those I's, you're wrong. You're very wrong. No no C's here. No C's, just K's and I's. That's right. Uh, Well, thanks for hopping on. Thank you for having me. Of course. And thanks again, listeners, for listening. I'm your host, Daniel Acker, and this has been Almost Almost Famous.